Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Friday. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's joined, as always, by the one, the only, PFF's finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane, here today to talk Dwayne's newest top 150. Dwayne, you've been in the lab all week. You're telling me yesterday that you're stressed, you got all this stuff going on. And I was like, bro, it's July 14th. You're like, I don't care. I gotta get my dope ass 150 out. How you feeling, man? <laughs> wasn't stressed just a lot going on i'm trying to get done and we've got some pretty cool stuff going on behind the scenes here oh yeah um, with the, the people are going to get a get a chance to see very soon so we're very excited about that and so you know when you're doing that stuff plus this you know and just wanting to make sure i still do a good job at all this stuff we got people paying for our subs again so we got to make sure that the, they love the work that we're doing and so yeah man i feel really good like when you get to do your top 150 it's kind of accumulation, right. Of, of all the things you've been studying, right. Everything you've been looking at, we start, we, you know, with the players, we do the, you know, the profiles, the archetypes, all this stuff. We talk through the tiers, we talk through, you know, everything about the players and the teams and the ADPs and all those things. Like the, the 150 is kind of like the accumulation of all that, where it's like, okay, like you're starting a draft. Like these are the most important players, right? And here's how they fit together. Not just looking at them receiver, receiver, receiver. It's like, okay, it's a quarterback and a receiver. Then it's a running back and it's a wide receiver. So I, I love this because this is kind of more in the flow of here's what a draft could look like as well. So that's why I love the top 150. And you guys can check out Dwayne's top 150 on PFF.com. Guys, our best sale of the entire year is here. The PFF 40 sale, 40% off on all annual PFF subscriptions. All you got to do is use promo code PFF 40. This is the best one. If you have any thoughts, notions, inclinations to buy a PFF subscription between now and the season, do it now. Promo code PFF 40. Again, 40% off all the annual PFF subs. You'll get all the large article content. Dwayne, myself, Nathan Yonke, Kevin Cole, all of our fantasy rankings. And I kid you not, not a hyperbole. We are going to have the coolest tool in all of fantasy here, and I would hope about two weeks. We're going to get it out before draft season starts. Dwayne, myself, all of our amazing developers have been in the lab working on this thing, thinking about it for honestly years and really working on it for the past few months. So can't reveal too much yet. But again, everyone, promo code PFF40 will get you all this. And we're not just taking your money. Like We are trying to give you all the information you need to go win that money back times 10. This is not a Chipotle burrito that's gone in five minutes ideally you're more entertained you're more informed and you're just in a better position to make more money playing fantasy gambling just being a better you know Dwayne the PFF 40 promo code helps you be a better husband it helps you be a better wife a better son uh, a better citizen of your community and most of all a better fantasy football player which is all we are really trying to do here on the PFF fantasy football podcast to begin with so can't overstate enough again promo code PFF 40 our best deal of the year support the podcast support yourself and use promo code PFF40 for 40% off on all annual PFF subscriptions. Enough of that, Dwayne. The good stuff. Again, your top 150. First, we're going to go through the big-time risers, then go through the fallers. And to your point, not going just position by position because we are looking at the overall rankings here. So first up, Saquon Barkley. Up nine spots for you. Up to RB7, 14th player overall off the board. Dwayne, this happens with a couple players every year where we get into June, July, people start running their projections and we have guys like Saquon who are being faded for dumb reasons earlier in the offseason, but then it actually comes time to start looking at the volume involved and my God, Dwayne, if Saquon's healthy for 17 games, he has way too much volume to bust. Yeah, man, it's just, you're getting a 25-year-old back 
that we know has the pedigree. We've seen him do these things in the past. <clears throat> Last year, he was coming off the injury. He was just starting to get going. Just had the unfortunate event, right, after the whistle, stepping on Jordan Lewis's play, on stepping on Jordan Lewis's foot right after the play. And sprained his ankle, just kind of took everything away. But he was really starting to, to get going before that. And so now we're another full year removed um, from, you know, the knee injury that, you know, had him starting slow last year. He seems healthy. He also seems very motivated. And so when I look at Saquon Barkley, Ian, like I have him up to RB7. He moved up nine spots from my original top 150, which came out at the beginning of June. You know, we're now into to mid-July. And like I've got him at RB7 overall. I've got him at 14 overall. Like I take Saquon Barkley a ton in drafts. Um, you know, if you look at the archetype of the backs that have been able to smash leagues in the past, like Saquon is it out there every down can can create the. Ex- I think the biggest question is he's still explosive, right? But I think he's young enough to know that he probably still is, and the injuries hopefully have not sapped him. That that's that's the wild card factor, right? Um, as far as the injuries themselves, like I'm not going to worry about it. Like the docs on, you know, that we trust the docs that we listen to, you've had Edwin Porras on basically just said, look, Barkley, I wouldn't be worried about Barkley. And so when I have someone like Edwin tell me that I'm like, okay, I've heard enough. I'm good on Saquon Barkley. So essentially I'm all in, man. I'm all in. He could easily be the RB one in all of fantasy. And right now, like I've where I've got him ranked on ESPN, you can get him RB. He's the RB 16, but you can get him at pick 29 folks. That's the third round in most of your drafts on Yahoo pick 27 uh, third we, round of your, we drafts. can't really, we can't put that much weight behind ESPN Yahoo just yet, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, we and, well, to be yeah, fair. Okay. That's where that's around where he was going on underdog, like much earlier in the off. Season. And remember, yeah, these things lag. So right, the, right. the other, to your point, FFPC, these are sharper leagues where people have already been drafting a ton for money. He's going off at pick 17. And you're still There's, higher than that. Like that's, I think. And I'm still higher than that. Yeah. But underdog is pick 18. But Yahoo and ESPN usually lag FFPC and underdog, period. Even when the season starts. Because it just takes too long for the adjustment to occur. So right now, if you're drafting, you know, over on underdog, you're drafting over on Yahoo, or maybe you're going to be drafting in a couple of weeks. I think you're going to get a third round price on Saquon Barkley, even still then. Now, as we start to get closer to the season, by September gets here, he may have even warmed up in those leagues. But again, the, the, a lot of times you're dealing with folks that play, you know, in one league, like they don't study this stuff all year. And so they're just coming in kind of cold to Saquon Barkley. Remember when we came in cold to Saquon Barkley, like they're, they're feeling how we felt like in February, <laughs> like we're like, okay, what are we going to do with Saquon this year? Now we've had time to process it, think through all of it, which is why we're here folks is to help you guys with that. And so that you don't feel like you're caught off guard with Saquon Barkley and how you need to feel about him and how you should think about him in drafts. But second round, man, easy, easy, easy target. But in some leagues you can still get him in the third. At running back, I think we're going to see a pretty consensus top six across rankers, Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, and Najee Harris in some order. After that, I do see your DeAndre Swift and your Joe Mixons of the world sometimes pushed up there. Aaron Jones is great too. But for me, Dwayne, if we're just looking at the guys that have that same three down profile as you know most of the guys in that top tier, it's Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette. Now, I have Saquon RB8. I'm ahead of consensus alongside with you, but I struggle to put Saquon ahead of Leonard Fournette. I feel like Fournette, we have more 
recent experience of him being at least a decent football player. We have Tom Brady under center. Like, let's face it, Buccaneers offense far more likely to be good than the Giants. Why do you have Saquon one spot? I would guess one spot, maybe a couple more ahead of Fournette. For me, I just think Fournette checks those same boxes. Now, he is two years older, but, you know, we're playing redraft here. It's not Dynasty. Yeah, I think I think Barkley's just the stronger talent profile. Um, I, Leonard Fournette is an, a, a slightly above replacement, you know, NFL running back. Saquon Barkley, when he's fully healthy, is an elite NFL running back, like way above replacement level. So, and, and I think there's also more risk that Leonard Fournette loses some of the passing down work. Not saying it's going to happen, but I think there's it's a bigger risk to him than it is to Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, so, and, and then you just mentioned, you know, there is a slight tiebreaker there on the edge. So on, on the age, I like both players. Um, and at the end of the day, ADP also, you know, reflects that like Lenny usually goes three to four picks after Barkley goes off the board, sometimes closer, depending on how your draft goes, you know, Barkley in the sharp drafts going the mid second Lenny's going in the late second, but look, it's to your point, like is the Buccaneers, uh, you got Tom Brady. I mean, like Leonard Fournette could score 15, 20 touchdowns and we wouldn't blink an eye in that offense this year. So um, it, it's not against Fournette. It's just, I think, Barkley, the younger, more, let's call it energetic profile, Ian, that I'm looking at. I, I just did an underdog draft before we got on here. I was able to get uh, Fournette and James Conner in round two, three. And I've had a big mix of Barkley, Conner, and Fournette getting at least two of those guys in those top three rounds and many drafts because usually at least one, if not multiple of them, tend to lag behind. So, uh, yeah, not hating anything on Saquon. I think the big moral of the story is Saquon, Conner, and Fournette have the three down roles that really are you know more akin to a top five running back, but they still continue to be pushed down just a little bit because folks draft and scared but speaking and with Barkley, of yeah real quick Ian like the one other thing I would say like if, if you make me pick Girl Scouts walking to the door <laughs> which player if you had to pick has a chance at 100 targets bro I I think it's it's Barkley I don't know <laughs> man yeah it's Fortnite Barkley. was yep. about to lead the NFL in receptions last year and yeah. Targets per route run for Fournette are good, like, but the the pecking the the pecking order is much more determined there. Like, you know, with Evans, like he's not going to out target even Russell Gage, who we'll talk about here, okay. you know, in a little bit. Like, I, I like Fournette. I think he's still going to get a healthy amount of targets, but Barkley could be a centerpiece, a centerpiece target player, like a la CMC, yeah. right? That's in his range of outcomes. That's not there for Fournette. So, what I would say is, when you play in standard leagues. We, we've got to do a better job of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking today, all the all the stuff. So when you hear us say ESPN, that's PPR. Yahoo is a half point PPR. Underdog's half point, but it's best ball. FFPC is a little different twist because you're getting playing in a tight end premium type format. So that's kind of why we chose some of these to share you know, with you guys. But to be fair, we don't have one on here that's standard, meaning you don't get any points per reception in those leagues. I think you've got to take Fournette over Barkley because I think the touchdown upside on the on the team that Fournette plays on is just a lot higher than what we're dealing with with the Giants. I do agree with your notion that, you know, even if uh, Fournette's top-tier target ceiling puts him in outer outer space, you know, Fournette's is literally landing him on the moon. So, or excuse me, Barclays is landing him right, on the meant. moon. So, okay. Speaking of that Buccaneers offense, Mike Evans, you have moved up nine spots to wide receiver seven, 19th overall. We had a bit of a heated discussion on Mike Evans earlier this offseason, but of course that was before. We kind of had a better idea about Chris Goblin's injury timeline. Also weren't really aware that Rob Gronkowski was going to be retired. So my 
at wide receiver six. I bumped him up just a little bit after more um, after getting that original news. But Dwayne still going at ESPN wide receiver ten, Yahoo FFPC wide receiver eight. So you aren't that much further ahead of consensus. But my God, man, like there is a chance. Like it would not be the most shocking thing in the world if we look up and Mike Evans has twenty touchdowns like after this year. Now it's that's a gaudy freaking number. No one's gonna project that. But who else is Brady gonna throw touchdowns to this year, man? Yeah, man. With Evans, it's it's all those things you name. So, like in in my original June one fifty, he's moved up. Uh, he's moved up nine spots, like overall, right? Not 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 nine wide receiver spots. So when you hear me say the spots they've moved up, it's in the one fifty. And so he's moved up nine. Um, the Godwin information, knowing that really it's probably mid October to early November. I know we had a, a an Adam Schefter you know, uh, kind of little tidbit on NFL live saying that he could be ready, you know, for week one, but look, just based on everything I'm seeing from all the medical people in the industry, I, I just, I think that's just the Buccaneers being optimistic. Schefter wouldn't even tweet it. So no, I'm not, I'm not giving that the same sort of substance. Come on, man. Right. If, you, if you feel strong about something, you have to tweet it. And that's true in relationships and fantasy football as well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so with, with Evans, anyway, it's a uh, 19 overall now wide receiver seven. If you look at him on ESPN, you know, you mentioned some of that. So I'm, I'm just a little bit ahead of consensus on Yahoo is already wide receiver eight FFPC wide receiver eight underdog where, you know, you it's, it's a race to, you know, who can draft like 50 wide receivers first. He goes wide receiver seven and he's picked 16. But in most of these leagues, like over in ESPN, like even if you're playing in a 12 team league, like he's still making it into the early third round. Yahoo making it to the end of the second round. So that's where we used to get Mike Evans on underdog and FFPC, similar to what we talked about with Barkley. So there's a lag. So if any of you folks are playing in ESPN Yahoo leagues, just know this is the way ADPs are going to look when someone goes into draft, which is going to drive the way the guys come off the board until more people start drafting more teams over there. Um, it's going to be a situation where I think it's definitely an advantage to your point. Those things will start to catch up by like maybe late August, early September. But again, it typically takes time. So there's some absolute value to be had on Mike Evans. Mike Evans has played eight games without Chris Godwin over the past two seasons, and he has scored a touchdown with at least four catches in every single game. Even had two of them and won four performances with over a hundred yards. And like, yeah, Godwin will be back at some point. It's not like Evans is going to crash down to wide, like wide receiver three, wide receiver four territory. Like he's just going to be more yeah. of a, you know, touchdown dependent boomer bust wide receiver two. Mike Evans, go get him. Yeah, the, awesome. the points in those games, including the playoffs last year, PPR, yeah. 14.7, 26.9, 26.7, 25.9. Like, like those are, those are insane numbers. At running back, Travis Etienne up 15 spots, RB 15, player 26 overall. Still, I mean, this is where you're really seeing the lag behind, uh, you know, ESPN, Yahoo versus FFPC and underdog really going at the borderline RB2 spot over at ESPN, Yahoo, RB23 and RB24, respectively, RB15, RB16 over at FFPC and underdog with a good 20 uh, pick difference in terms of their overall ranking. I I think it's just a James Robinson thing, Dwayne. I mean, James Robinson was going like the RB 30 range earlier in this offseason before people were like, yeah, probably not a given that A, he returns sooner rather than later from a freaking Achilles injury and B, that he is the same player. And meanwhile, Dwayne, what we talked about in the Jaguars uh, team preview uh, edition of this podcast, ETN, even if James Robinson is back, basically profiles as having DeAndre Swift's sort of role, maybe not quite the same sort of target ceiling, but that is the capacity in which we would expect him to be used. And if Robinson doesn't come back, like, hell, 
forget the Debo Samuel role people were talking about. Like this dude's complete best case scenario role is a Christian McCaffrey never leave the field three down running back. Yeah, I'll take that as an upside RB two. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you're buying him right now, even in the leagues where he's ahead. You know, you're going like pick 31 on FFPC, underdog pick 36. I have him as you mentioned, my 26. So I'm still ahead, even in versus those formats where we know we've got the sharper drafters because they've just drafted more. Um, you know, but on ESPN and, and Yahoo, man, you can get him in the fourth round. Like you can get him in the fifth round. Like he's, you know, he's going after he's going after pick 48 in both of those right now. He's close. But you could just prioritize him, you know, just say, fine, I'm just going to take him in the fourth round just in case somebody else wants him. But you hit on it. Like, I think you're getting him at his floor at our current price. I think I think the price tag you're buying ETN at right now is assuming that James Robinson is going to have a role and that you're just getting, you know, the passing down back who might get 40 to 50 percent of the of the carries. There's a real chance ETN's getting 75 to 80, 80 percent of all the offense. Yeah. Um, we also know that, you know, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, the number one check down rate in the NFL last year, over 11%. So, and this is a back that he played with in college. Now they did upgrade the offensive wide receivers, but there's nobody on the team that when I look at it, Ian, I'm like, wow, that person's going to be a 30% target share. They don't have that wide receiver. It's going to be wow. spread out across Wild all Dwayne. of them. Shots fired at Zay Jones. Yeah, Zay, sorry, Zay. Love you, Zay. Uh, but it's probably going to be more spread out, right? A lot of guys between 15, 17, 18% target share. And I think ETN could be a 15, 16% target share player, which is really huge at running back. It's just an archetype. We want explosive players that catch passes. That is your pathway to finding a CMC. That is your pathway to finding an Alvin Kamara, right? That's your pa- your pathway to finding guys that can truly break your league. So, and you gave the perfect comp. It's DeAndre Swift from last year, but it could actually be more. Get him in the third round. Dude, where I love him in is if I draft, let's say, get to the end of the first round, and this is in the sharper drafts right now. You can still pull this off. You're like, okay, I'm going to take Stefan Diggs, turn around, coming back, take CeeDee Lamb, especially over on an underdog where you know all the receivers go early. You're like, oh, I have two receivers. But the beauty of setting up that way, and I've been doing it a ton lately, is the whole idea that coming back in that third round, I'm just taking ETN. So I'm I'm putting a chip down on a player that I think could has the number one running back overall upside in their range, and I've already got two really good receivers. And so when everybody else just continues taking receivers, I'll usually just take like two or three more, and then I'll wait till the later rounds, and I'll only do like seven wide receivers in those builds. Um, you know, and I'll hit some of the other backs, make sure I get a quarterback, get a tight end, and man, I just really love the way those teams turn out. So ETN allows you a lot of uh, strategic flexibility as you think about the way you want to play out your first two picks on both underdog and FFPC. I'm getting a lot of ETN or James Conner in the third round and in the fourth round, you can just come right back and get Cam Akers if you do need another running back there. Also in the third round, not afraid to get Kyle Pitts if these sort of guys are already gone. But yeah, Dwayne, ETN right now, my fifth highest own back after doing about 50 underdog drafts so far. So great. That'd be great. hundred percent. Hey, real quick in like, sorry, with ETN, let's talk about one player I don't have on, on the show sheet. Um, but I think we just chat about him real quick. So, and it fits the same profile and it's Alvin Kamara. (laughs) So the more I think about Kamara, so I've got him at 32 right now overall. So I'm still taking him at the end of the third round, you know, kind of in the same range as ETN, but man, I've been in multiple drafts now, Ian, where Kamara just slips right around in the fourth. And so I've had auto, auto fourth round pick automatic auto, auto. I'm taking him in the third sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I've basically mixed Camara in with in the third round, like over the last week, just because 
uh, not knowing how long this news is going to last, you know, um, because Drew Davenport, friend of the show, you guys can go find him on Twitter, did a great thread on Camara, right? And Drew's a legal expert. There's a real good chance we're not looking at a suspension. The video could come out, which is an all bets off scenario. And he even talks about that in his thread, because as soon as the video comes out, it's like the league can just basically circumvent everything, right? They can just be up. Oh, got the video it's shutting down everything and so th- that's the risk you run with camara like that could happen at any point in the season but still i think in the third round it's worth it fourth round's an auto pick but those same teams i'm talking about you can start with Diggs, lamb etn and then getting camara like so yeah. you're getting two potent you're getting archetype rb1 overalls with both of those picks and you get to pair them with two elite receivers especially on underdog like i love that start like Okay, if we do hear that Kamara's going to get a six-game suspension, I mean, right now he's going RB15. I think he maybe falls like to RB20, but I don't think it's going to be that much further past that, Dwayne. I mean, are people really going to be taking like Josh Jacobs and J.K. Dobbins ahead of Kamara? I don't think so, even with the suspension. Yeah, the scary part with with, for me with Kamara is – when does the suspension play out? Like if there's any chance that it could also just occur in the season, typically the league likes to have these things dealt with before the season starts. But like the worst case scenario would be we start the season and Kamara's fine. And all of a sudden, like four weeks later, right, he's getting suspended. I think that that scenario, and this is, this is not from me. This is more from the legal experts like Drew, just reading what they put out. That scenario again, probably ties back to video being leaked. Right. So I think that's the, the worst case that would happen to you. This is what you wouldn't want. You're in a league, especially in best ball, less so in, in, in redraft. You could work around this. But what you don't want is like, you know, it's like week 12. You're getting ready for your playoffs. And all of a sudden this video leaks. and You're like, crap. I just like I lost Camara in my money weeks. Um, but again, like we can deal with that. You know, when we get there, he's still he's going to probably have you. If you're getting Camara in round four, the one thing you're also going to be real happy about, even if he gets suspended in week 12, you're going to be like, well, he's got me in first place right now because I got him in the fourth round. I'll figure out how to how to go without him. All right. Alvin Kamara, early 30s for you. Cortland Sutton, 36 overall player off the board, up 12 spots for you, sitting pretty as the wide receiver 17 right now. We've talked a lot about this wide receiver two range. I mean, once you kind of get past the Chargers receivers, we'll even give A.J. Brown the benefit of the doubt. But from there, Michael Pittman. This is this is just my order right now, but you can you guys can tell just from hearing the names that there's at least one question mark for these guys, a little bit bigger for some than others. But Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle, Gabriel Davis, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and then a bunch more guys into the wide receiver three range. But Dwayne, with Cortland Sutton, all the research we've done looking at Denver, trying to figure out who's going to be Russ's number one, everything, including reports from OTAs, seems to keep coming up for Cortland Sutton. I have really been ahead of him versus Judy the whole offseason. We're both on record loving Tim Patrick as probably even the best value of this group. But Cortland Sutton, more and more, man, let's prioritize him over this group of receivers because I don't think that even if you believe that you know guys like Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore are better talents than Cortland Sutton, I think we can agree that Sutton's certainly shown off you know a fair a fair level of high um, level talent. How many times can I say level in one sentence? But I don't think the talent disparity between receivers is nearly as big as the talent disparity in their quarterbacks and Corton Sutton's in the freaking green with that. Thanks to Russell Wilson under center. Yeah. And that's, that's why everything you just said is why I had to move him up 12 spots versus where I had him in June. As the, the more I just looked at it. Um, and also I've written and done more content, right? Research since then. And one of the big things 
is just looking at this AFC and NFC West, right? And 56% of the games that are projected over 50 points right now over on Superbook, 50% of those games belong to the AFC, NFC West. They play each other. And so I'm looking, I've got a quarterback that I love. I've got an ambiguous wide receiver room where we know there's talent across the board. There's even some talent at tight end. But in that situation, you know, there's really an opportunity for one player to ascend. It could end up being spread out, which is your worst case. But even then, I think your floor is you've got a wide receiver that's sharing in a good offense that has to score points that's got a good quarterback, right? So Sutton could like bail you out with 10 receiving touchdowns and only have like 80 catches. Like that, that's very like much in his range of outcomes, but I think he is good enough. And the only reason a lot of people aren't willing to, to give him this benefit of the doubt. And, and even I kind of struggle with a little bit is we just haven't seen a big enough sample size of elite Cortland Sutton. We got that one year where we thought Sutton was really good. And then he dealt with injuries. And then last year he dealt with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, which, you know, can be painful. Um, so, okay. Knowing- it was Teddy Bridgewater. Can we just like what Drew Locke start three games last year? He started three games last year. Can we quit putting all of last year on Drew Locke? Teddy Bridgewater is the one. Well, that I just started. gave it to both of them. I did, the the point is the quarter, It's all Teddy. The, like you're you not know, whatever. Play. The quarterbacks suck. Who cares? Are we going to blame the Panthers' problems on PJ Walker last year? No, they're on Sam Darnold. So I'm tired <laughs> of this. Everyone, Drew Locke was 2020. That's your problem there, not 2021. And sorry, Dwayne. Please continue. Well, whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> audience, read in between. Sucky quarterback. You don't want one. You don't have it anymore. You have Russell Wilson. I don't care. You can name it Teddy Bridgewater. You can name it Drew Locke. Doesn't matter to me. Um, at the end of the day, like we know he's got an upgrade there. And and so when I start thinking like about the range of outcomes, I do think Sutton's is probably higher than what I was giving him originally credit for. And that moves him up. And I think his floor is also lower. I mean, it's also higher than what I was originally giving him credit for, which if you're going to take a player in the third round, which is where he's essentially going now, like if you look at him over on FFPC, he's still a little after that pick 42, but on underdog pick 37. So right at the beginning of the fourth round, um, ESPN Yahoo, you can still get him at pick six. He's going at 62 on ESPN, 52 on Yahoo. So there's still a big discrepancy. Those sites have not caught up yet. But my point being, even if you're getting him, you know, at those picks and you look at the downside, you know, for Cortland Sutton, like I still think, you know, it's going to be in the wide receiver two range, but I think his upside is high end wide receiver one. And I think you need to have those two qualities to be a third round pick. You know, you need to have enough of a floor and enough of ceiling to go in the third round. Otherwise, like, you know, you're more of a fourth or a fifth round pick. And so I think he just checks both boxes. Up next, 52nd player overall. Up 13 spots, your QB2. I, I didn't know you could be higher on Kyler Murray than you already were, Dwayne, but here we are. Great day to be great. Also, my QB2, we've been fairly well aligned with this throughout. The offseason continues to be my highest-owned quarterback over at Underdog Fantasy. And the only thing I'll bring up with uh, Kyler before throwing it over to you, Dwayne, is kind of like the fallacy I think that's going on with these second-half splits of his. Because if you look at 2021, I understand it sucks that he got hurt and he missed weeks nine through 12, but he came back without DeAndre Hopkins with AJ Green and Antoine freaking Wesley as his main receivers. Like Rondale Moore got concussed. They had to bring Zach Ertz in there. Like this was not a fun group of receivers for him to be thrown to for most of the second half of last year. And he actually ran more. He still averaged 20.5 fantasy points per game. I mean, this was still a top eight quarterback throughout the entire season last year on a per game basis, just in terms of fantasy points. So yes, some of his passing numbers fell down, but again, I think that's pretty explainable when you take DeAndre freaking Hopkins out of the offense. Yes, he is going to be gone for the first six weeks, but adding Marquise Brown, having a bigger role for Rondale Moore, just look, man, we have to your point that you brought up 
There's two quarterbacks right now that have a chance to maybe hit about 4,500 passing yards and 800 plus rushing yards. They're Josh Allen and they're Kyler Murray. Only one of them continues to go as the QB five overall. And I, I, for life of me, man, I just don't understand why Kyler is going behind Herbert and Mahomes. You can put them in a tier, but the fact that Kyler continues, man, to fall to the fifth and sixth round underdog, I'm, I'm confused, man, but I'm happy it's happening because I'll, I'll continue to be happy to scoop them up. Yeah, and drafters are starting to wisen up. He's slow. Used to, he fell into the sixth round all the time. Yeah. Pretty rare now. And I think folks are starting to realize as you do more and more drafts, and this is why I like talking about the 150 without you know specifically saying, hey, we have to talk about these you know position by position, because I think Kyler represents a spot in your drafts where I'm going to name some receivers to you, Ian, that are going in the same range. And do you think you just take these receivers? Or you just go ahead and pivot over to Kyler Murray. You could have Jerry Judy or Kyler Murray. I'm going to go with Kyler. You can have Juju Smith-Schuster or Kyler Murray. <laughs> Come on, Dwayne. That was a good one, but yeah, Kyler. <laughs> okay, what about Amon Ross St. Brown? They're all Kyler. And this is, even if you take Kyler off the board here, whether it's Lamar, whether it's even like Jalen Hurts, that 5-6 round, take the quarterback there. Because one and of these one of these wide receiver threes is then going to fall to the next round. You take them then. Yeah, and it's about the archetype you're getting. We want the league breaking archetype of you have the legs, you know, so we could do like a ZZ top thing here. They got legs Ooh. and know how to use them. Like we should have that in the backdrop when we talk about Damn. Kyler. We talk about Jalen. We talk about Lamar Jackson. All these guys going in round five, early round six. So when I miss Murray, a lot of times I will come back in the next round and just go ahead and grab Hurts. You know, and, uh, you know, it hurts. You used to be able to get Devonta Smith to come back to you. He doesn't as much, but you can still get Goddard. I like Kyler a little better because people get get shy about DeAndre Hopkins, right? People get shy about Rondell Moore. Zach Ertz will fall in draft. So th there's more options to hit your stacks with Kyler than there is with Jalen Hurts. But the message is still the same, right? You're, you're getting quarterbacks that give you league breaking potential where other folks to your point are drafting guys that are more like wide receiver threes could jerry judy come through yeah but we know what kyler murray is right he only has to stay healthy and if he does he could be the number one quarterback in all of fantasy football and that is a big advantage that you can have over your league mates so yeah kyler murray absolutely love him the reason i moved him up was really just about again looking at where these other receivers and stuff were going. The one receiver I have ahead of him that is in that group, and I will often take above Kyler and try to get both, especially if I'm drafting down towards the end on underdog, like say picks eight through 12, say it gets to me and it's Kyler and Amon Ra St. Brown is there. Like Amon Ra is actually one pick ahead in my top 150 specifically over Kyler. And I will try to mix both with the backup plan being because I just love Amon Ra. Like Amon Ra, like just we've we've talked about him enough this offseason. You guys can go listen to like 20 other episodes and hear rants about Amon Ra St. Brown. <laughs> Ian just snagged him like somehow in like round 27 of a Scott Fishbowl. Like, come on, I'm gonna have to go like, you know, I'm gonna have to have a talk with your league mates. But um looking at you know Amon Ra, like I'll take him because I'm also my backup plan if Kyler's gone is I'll just take Hertz. Right. So I can get that last receiver because here's the thing, folks, the only thing I'll say about him on raw that people aren't factoring in. He has wide receiver one upside still. And, yep. and his floor is not as low as you think. Like, I think his floor is a wide receiver three. He's going to perform like a wide receiver two. He could come through with wide receiver one. We got the quote last or earlier this week, and I was on with actually Alex Caruso doing a pod with him earlier, and he brought this up. You know, and again, coach speak is coach speak. But Dan Campbell basically coming out and saying, look, we want to run our entire offense through a Monroe St. Brown. 
Like, and he just seems like it's his kind of player, like just this rugged dude that never says die, doesn't care that he wasn't taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, you know, and he and Jared Goff and the, and the Lions just kind of caught fire towards the end, um, you know, making sweet music together. Um, and a guy that nobody could cover. So anyway, Amon Ra is the one guy I have ahead of those, Ian. Um, and I would take him and then try to come back with either Kyler or Jalen Hurts. Well, with Amon Ra, it's like the detractors seem to be like, he's not going to do what he did last year over the last six weeks. Like, yeah, I also think he's not going to be the overall wide receiver too in all of fantasy. But when we can draft him outside the top 25, sometimes outside the top 30 receivers, yeah, that's fine. To your point, Dwayne arguably being priced much closer to his floor than ceiling. Always the situations we're trying to take advantage of. Uh, hate to do this on air, Dwayne. I think he messed up the show sheet. You have Juju Smith-Schuster as a riser. That's that's not, no. Yeah, so, yes, I did push oh up Juju Smith-Schuster. And so, look, hey, I listen. Like, I'm on Twitter. We're interacting with folks. And, um, like, look, the the deteriorating profile is still a thing, right? But at the end of the day, like, Juju does play for Kansas City. Juju has given us wide receiver one finishes in the past. So when Obama I think, was president. <laughs> yeah. But I think I have to balance all those things out. So we're like the deteriorating profile. Yeah. It, it certainly, you know, bothers me and it's why I was so much lower than everybody else on Juju to begin with. But if I can get him as a wide receiver three, like I'm fine. What I don't want is Juju steaming up boards and becoming a wide receiver too, right? You don't want to take him as your as a wide receiver at a wide receiver two price tag anyway, right? If you can get him at a as a wide receiver three price tag, he gives you access to the Chiefs offense. The other part is I'm just I'm I don't believe in MVS. I don't. I don't care if he got money. I don't care. I mean, it's really a one year ten million dollar prove it deal. Um, I think the Chiefs vastly overpaid. MVS. This is a player that's played with it with Aaron Rodgers and could never do anything. Even hey, at least Alan Lazard on a hundred routes without Devontae Adams showed a little bit of something. And you know how I feel about Alan Lazard. MVS showed absolutely nothing. Has never hit any sort of breakout metric. So you put that together and it's like, okay, so that gives Juju a shot, right? And we know it's an offense with Patrick Mahomes. Sky Moore is still my favorite chip in this passing offense outside of Kelsey. Let me be clear. And Sky Moore, you can get like five rounds after Juju. So I don't have a ton of exposure to Juju knowing that. Like I'm in every draft. Well, I'll just wait and take Sky Moore later. That still happens to me a lot, but I felt I was just too low versus consensus. So I wanted to get in line with consensus because ADP is part of the process. And that's what happens here with Juju. I'm going to need more, more than that, Dwayne. No, come on, man. Like the one thing with Lazard, we've talked about in Green Bay. He's going to be on the field, just like MVS is going to be on the field. He has the most cemented role in this offense as pretty much the only field stretcher that they readily have available right now. Like, I just think there's a chance that MVS is the full-time guy. Maybe he leads the wide receiver room, but to your or your previous point about this, like Kelsey's going to go nuclear. I think the most likely scenario is everyone else is probably in that six to 800 yard range. I think we're not giving nearly enough possibility to the potential for Juju to basically be a complimentary receiver alongside Sky Moore and even Miko Hardman, man. It's 2022. It's not 2018. Why did Juju have zero market over the last two seasons for any free agent team? Why did Chiefs offer him like $5 million less than he could have had last season? It's because no one wants Juju to be their featured wide receiver. I understand he was really good four years ago, but I just think in the year 2022, you can make a pretty clear argument that he might even be the three or four on this offense. I don't see that same risk for MVS and just... Man, like raw projections, exactly. Wouldn't you take Sky Moore straight up over Juju if ADP like didn't exist? 
Uh, straight up, no. I would still. I mean, that's and that's where I've changed some. Like, just going back and looking at the data again of the of of receivers that have produced in the past that then had a little bit of a downturn, and a lot of them do still return. So, um, it was just something that I hadn't looked at that way. Um, for Juju, uh, and also it's it's smaller sample size, but I, I literally believe in MVS zero. Yes, is MVS going to be out there running gassers and running snaps? Yeah, but he's never earned a targets already with a good quarterback. That's all I need to know. It's not going to magically happen. And if it does, he will be an outlier. He will be an absolute outlier. Juju will be way less of an outlier if he performs. And look, it's all priced in at ADP. Like that's why Juju goes ahead of these other guys um, is because, you know, we've seen him do it in the past. With MVS, like I have like, MV- I've drafted almost 70 teams now. I think MVS is on two of them. And I'm not scared like at all. Um, so I, I get where you're coming from. And, and I get, look, those are all facts that I've laid out on Twitter. You guys can go search my timeline. I've got a whole juju rant. It's basically everything Ian just named. And I think they're all true. But I just wanted to be more in line with consensus on juju. Um, again, not a player I'm trying to get overweight on. I've got him right around where he's going. Um, and so that's how I feel. If I get Mahomes early and he slides, that is the only time I will maybe look to add some juju. I just, man, Darnell Mooney, Amon Ross St. Brown. These are guys going behind them, even Elijah Russell Gage, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Smith. You can argue a lot of these guys are both better and have higher target projections. So that's the only one I'm not very pleased with, Dwayne. But you know what? I'm also, there's not a player that I am lower on than Juju, a.k.a. John. That's his real first name. Than John Smith-Schuster. I am by far lower on him than anyone else. So I could be coming back to you, you know, week six, hat, you know, tail between my funny as Ian, I think I helped get you there. When I just destroyed Juju earlier in the season. Uh, and again, for all the reasons you named, I think the first time we talked about him, you were kind of willing to give him more of a chance, and I was just like obliterating him. <laughs> Why are we back? Again, man, like, okay, I I get not, like, I'm probably just too, I haven't ranked like wide receiver 50. Like, that. that's probably just a little bit irresponsible. <laughs> you have him wide receiver 50. I, I never it, had him that low. You, you are aggressive. I think so, I had him, uh, I moved him up 13 spots overall here. But I think I had him like wide receiver 36. I had him as my last wide receiver three up until now. Now I got him as more of a front end wide receiver three. I guess that's my thing. Like I, if you want to put him in that tier, fine. But I really don't want to be ahead of consensus on him. That's I agree opinion. with that. I don't think you got to get ahead. And we'd love Amon Ross St. Brown. Like Amon Ross St. Brown is a better player yeah. than Juju. But again, you're getting access to that AFC, NFC, NFC West stuff. So especially if you're thinking about best ball, you're playing over um, on underdog. I think there especially, like if you're going to play 50 teams, you've got to have some exposure to Juju. To your point, I don't think it's got to be above you know, consensus. I think you could be at or below. I'm below still. Um, but I've been slowly adding him in some, you know, into some of my, into some of my builds and, and we'll, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. I think he does still have a chance to, to put in a really good season. I don't think it's a great chance, but I'm at least acknowledging that there's a better chance than what I thought before based on, you know, going back and looking at the data. Here's some uh, wide receivers set to make more money than Juju Schmidt-Schuster this season in terms of total value. Desmond Patton, Patman, Quez Watkins, James Proche. Dax Milne, I have never heard that name before. Bennett, none Scro- of those have Juju's incentives. But I, look, we Bennett Scroenek, like, Mike Strachan, yeah, Colin. None Johnson, of those guys have a chance to turn their contract into like ten mil. Racy McMath, keep on going with all these names. You're just going to keep going. <laughs> Frank Darby, Simi Fahoko, Samori Tire, 
Amir Smith-Marset. He actually had a nice touchdown at the end of the year. You know it's a good list when Ian can't pronounce most of them. <laughs> Montreal, Washington. I, okay, I know with incentives he can get up there, but man, dude, three. Like when I see that, it reminds me of like the Sammy Watkins contract. Now it's more than the Watkins contract. Like I don't think Juju's going to get cut, but I just really, I don't think anything is guaranteed for Juju in Kansas City. Like, okay, I, I said before the chances of like Miko and Sky and MVS like beating them out. I would say... Like, Dwayne, what would you put the chances of week one that Juju Smith is not a starting top three receiver in Kansas City? I'd say about 10 to 15 percent. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I I think he's pretty much a lock to start the season where I would be more concerned is like as the season goes on. You know, yeah. if, he, if he doesn't produce the way they want him to I, and, you know, maybe Sky Moore is really starting to click like that could be a thing. But I, I think Juju's going to I think he's pretty much right now almost a lock to play the slot. Right. I think the the question is Mecole versus Sky Moore outside. I think what happens is Sky Moore wins the other outside role. He'll move all over. I think Mecole is the gadget player. I think MVS will be out there pretty much every passing play, running gassers. Um, you know, and you know, he will have Mahomes that will be able to hit him for a few because you know the Chiefs are gonna have to throw more underneath now. And so there's probably gonna face a little less too high. And that's gonna open up some opportunities for MVS. So I, I and MVS, you know, could come through in some best ball, but I think Right now, if I if you just you know Girl Scout sauntering to the door, Ian, you know, and uh, like who's going to lead you know the Chiefs and targets? We obviously know it's Travis Kelsey, right? He's going to smash. But my next pick would be Juju, closely followed by Sky Moore. Now the difference is Sky Moore that four round discount in ADP. That's why it's so much easier to bet on Sky Moore. I would put in I would put MVS fourth. Yeah. Okay. What- in order to not make this a juju episode let's uh move on here wide receiver russell gage here we go Dwayne. up 25 spots wide receiver 26 now 56 overall i am also on team gage over chris goblin at this point we have been ever since you know we just i don't know what it was i i agree with the general sentiment when we've talked about this on a couple uh streams before we're like just next offseason we were mindful of these injuries but we need to do a better job of just really like february Go through them, get the projected timeline, stick to that, and you know monitor uh, the news with it. So with Chris Goblin, to your point earlier, being in October, maybe even November return, dismissing Adam Schefter's NFL Live, not Twitter report, it does seem like all things are going up for Russell Gage, someone that, Dwayne, in your studies, you have seen as an, as an ascending profile. And, you know, just watch the film, baby. If you if you were unlucky enough to go through a lot of those Falcons games last year, I'm sure you didn't have the most uh, you know entertaining time. More Sundays than not, but Russell Gage was out there, man, flashing as more than just his target hog. I mean, that 49ers game where he made like three pretty sick contested catches. He finally completed a hurdle in Week 18 on his third try. Like Russell Gage, man. If you start watching all for all of his receptions, you see a ton of the quick hitting stuff that Chris Goblin was already doing, and I also think you see a little bit more contested catch goodness that perhaps people don't even know he has in his arsenal yeah and with gauge like again the ascending profile is the part this isn't just a player that's landed like mvs in a good offense and we're just giving him the benefit of the doubt russell gage has already shown us over the last two seasons that he can demand targets he's already shown us that you know when you look at his pff grades and things like that exclusive like of his quarterback he grades well. He does all the things that MVS doesn't do, that Alan Lazard does not do. Like he checks all those boxes and now he landed in a really good offense. And like it's just, you know, he destroys man coverage. And who destroyed man coverage last year for um, 
the Bucks. It was really all about Antonio Brown, who's now gone. And I honestly think when they looked at Russell Gage and even in the data, look, we're not saying he's Antonio Brown, but th- we'll be able to do a lot of the same things that Antonio Brown did. And I think he's going to give you, you know, Antonio Brown light kind of production. Um, but it's going to be more than that early in the season. Like, I think that's his role once everybody's healthy, right? I think early in the season, Russell Gage, there's a chance in, we look up and it's week six of the NFL season. We're like, wow, Russell Gage is wide receiver eight overall. <laughs> like that could happen, man. Like he, look, I wrote this up. You guys can check it out over on PFF wrote about the eight players that I think, you know, have the best chance to, or in some of them are sneaky that people aren't thinking about to improve, you know, their targets this season. Russell Gage has 145 to 150 target upside in this offense. Like, and I base it on, you know, some timetables again, when Goggin will be back, all these things. So you guys go check it out over there. I won't explain all of it here, but at the end of the day, like this is a guy that it's not just, Oh my God, they gave him a contract. Why'd they do this? Like underlying profile says a really good player now playing with Tom Brady pass first offense. No Rob Gronkowski, no Antonio Brown going to take time for Godwin to get back all the things you said, Ian. And so it's just, uh, I think Gage is going to just be in, he's just going to destroy, you know, to start the season. I did, had an article go up on pff.com this week, 10 wide receivers that are too cheap based on their projected targets and almost all of them. And it's fine. Like the goal of this study was to try to find some like late route gems. Almost all of them were like wide receiver 45 or lower, just because, you know, it was kind of picking up the Robbie Anderson's, the uh, Tyler Boyd's of the world. These guys that still have triple digit target projections and are just pretty cheap, but we had guys like Darnell Mooney and Russell Gage who still just have so many projected targets that, yeah, they're moving up, but still probably not enough based on that opportunity, Dwayne. So yeah, I I think everything, just literally all the stars are aligning for Russell Gage. And even when Chris Goblin's back, he could easily still just be the wide receiver three he's already being drafted at. So I just really don't think there's much of a floor to be worried about here with Russell Gates. Like the ceiling, to your point, is legit wide receiver one while Goblin's gone. And then when he's back, okay, you move him to the flex, but he's still a quality starter. Yeah, and, and with Gage, um, I may have him a tad too high like versus the market. I, I moved him up 25 spots since June. Um He's 56 overall for me. So on ESPN, like if you're drafting on ESPN this weekend, you don't have to do this with Russell Gage. He goes pick 102. Like you can literally get him 50 picks later than where I have him. Yahoo, pick 128. So the masses are not on to Russell Gage yet on those formats. But even on underdog, underdog 70. I, I mean, and that's an aggressive platform. And Bro, I'm, well I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm coming up at pick 113 and Scott Fishbowl, and I'm expecting to get Russell Gage still. People are just sleeping, man. I love this yeah. league. Yeah, you, that's your league. My my league, Russell Gage, went round seven. Anyway, <laughs> the people are asleep at the will in the sense and you're, you're playing in just in Cincinnati league or what? Dwayne's just furious uh, every time I send him my picks. And No, I told- already told Ian, if I somehow outscore yeah. you with the league you got to play in, you have to call me King McFarlane for like a year. <laughs> Just, I can never say Dwayne again, just in the course of regular fantasy discussion, like, okay, King McFarlane. So anyway, (laughs) moving on to, uh, moving on to Jalen Hurts here up 15 spots for you. QB six overall now 69th player overall. Uh, If you also want to kind of make this a little bit of a Trey Lance discussion, that's fine too. Who you moved up 15 spots, QB 11, 101 overall. Dwayne, I have taken the plummet. I've talked about doing it. I finally did it. I have Jalen Hurts QB6, and I have Trey Lance QB7. What's really the difference here? We've seen Jalen Hurts do it for sure, but we have two quarterbacks that could breeze by 120 rush attempts and offenses with 
great places to go with the ball everywhere you look. Neither Hurts nor Lance even need to be overly good passers. Get the ball in your hands of your playmakers. Go do your thing as a rusher. And we're looking at an upside QB1. What are we missing here? I think there's a huge thing. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the 49ers. Ah. No, I'm not stopping. Like right now, there's no reason to have to take, like Trey Lance is like steaming up draft boards. And I love him. I agree. Like I have him as my QB 11, but I'm not taking him over Russell Wilson. Like I just don't have to right now. He's going to be your QB seven by the time week one gets here. We'll see if Jimmy's cut. If Jimmy's not cut, he won't be my QB seven. He'll be my QB 11 because I think there's a chance Trey Lance comes out and sucks. And then he's benched by week three. I don't want to take that risk on at like round seven of a draft. Like, so that's why I'm using some restraint with Trey Lance. I 100% agree on the profile. Trey Lance, you could be drafting Lamar Jackson, at, but I want to continue to draft him in round eight or nine. I don't want to have to draft him in round six, which is where it's heading right now on underdog. Like it's, it's shooting through the roof. Trey Lance has like moved up over a round. Like his price tag was already kind of high for having some unknown. Now look, if he hits, he hits. But didn't we learn last year with this? Everybody did this last year with Trey Lance, and he couldn't even win the starting job. And then it made it a really bad pick. So that's the only thing. I think the upside, I agree. He's the same thing as Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts and he are really the same thing. They're arbitrage on Lamar Jackson. And so if it works, it works out really well. But the opportunity cost, based on the fact that Garoppolo's still there, and we could see a benching, and we have we know Shanahan's been kind of weird about him. Like, there's just enough risk. There's other players still going in that range. And so when Lance makes it to you know his ADP or at ADP, I still I have a lot of him. I've been able to roster him a bunch. I just don't want to. I don't want to move him up so high that when people are looking at my ranks, they're reaching for Trey Lance. And just I'm just trying to be mindful: risk versus reward versus opportunity cost. But the profile itself, you were one thousand percent right. Like he absolutely could smash and give you a Lamar Jackson QB one overall season when everything goes right. And it's not even, I'm not trying to take away anything from Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause I've seen people just be like, Oh look, Jimmy G only averaged 0.1 more yards per attempt than Trey Lance last year. It's not going to be different. Look at what Nick Mullins did in this offense, not to shit on Nick Mullins, but Nick Mullins from 2018 to 2020. Big, big sample here. Didn't even have Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk yet. Nick Mullins was 10th in yards per attempt among 50 quarterbacks with 300-plus dropbacks, ahead of Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. That's Nick Mullins. That's not even Jimmy Garoppolo. So I just think the Shanahan offense, man, you can go all the way back to the Houston days of Matt Schaub. Just the constant dose of just easy, easy yak hitters to monsters like Debo, like Kittle, like Ayuk, who can even do it when they give him the opportunity. Lance can be a bad passing quarterback and still have an above average yards per attempt mark. So those concerns to me just shouldn't be there. Now, Dwayne, I'm with you. And this is, to me, like, I would say what you were talking about, like with Russell Gage, like that's what I don't want to fall to in that same trap as well with Trillions. Don't draft him Browns before you need to right now. But I'm just saying, like, I see him. He's QB9 right now, an underdog. He is moving up. I'm okay getting him at that spot still because I think he's going to settle in as the QB seven because the more people look at it, the more it's like, really, what is the difference between Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance? Once we can take Jimmy Garoppolo out of that equation, I continue to work under the assumption that he will not be starting for the 49ers in 2022. We're good. Wide receiver, Tim Patrick, up 22 spots. Wide receiver, 49. Player, 104th overall. I see the Jerry Judy versus Gabriel Davis things. Look how similar their targets were. Gabriel Davis has all those touchdowns because he's had the better quarterback out there. That's why Jerry Judy can't score touchdowns, hasn't had a good enough quarterback. 
then why does Tim Patrick keep scoring touchdowns? And Dwayne, we had quite the, uh, you know, bicker off the other day here talking about Patrick versus Judy. Yes, Judy has done a good job earning targets, but now we're not even talking about Judy. We're just talking about Tim Patrick and loving our guy, Tim Patrick. Wide receiver 49, still readily going outside the top 50. I mean, this is just the, the smash button, man. I love this range of wide receivers. Like once you start getting into the 60s, okay, you got Dotson, you got Myers, you got Parker, but really that sweet spot in the wide receiver 50 range where Patrick, where Galladay, sometimes Tony slides down to. This is one of the last spots where I think you can still get like a potential uh, legit wide receiver too. Yeah, and again, buying into the AFC and NFC West schedule. There's a lot you can do with that. There's going to be a lot of room for shootouts. There's just a lot of paths for Tim Patrick to really do better than where folks have him ranked, right? Or to do better than where his ADP sits. You know, worst case scenario, like let's say he ends up as the third option, you know, on the Broncos in a good passing attack, and he finishes more like a wide receiver four. Okay, you're getting him after pick 150. You know, I mean, over on underdog, he's moved up like you're getting more like an around pick 120, you know, over there. It's a little bit sharper. But when I look at Tim Patrick, the other scenario is like, what if Tim Patrick actually just leads this team? Like it's in the range of outcomes. Like yep. when you look at his breakout profile, you guys can check out. I did a article about six weeks ago on how to find breakout wide receivers. What are the leading indicators we look at? And even though Tim Patrick is an older receiver by standards of breakouts going into year six of his career, that's typically where we still see like that last ditch. You know, there are certain players that all of a sudden will just bust loose in year six. Tim Patrick meets all the criteria for it. Um, so again, you're, you're buying into an ascending passing attack. That's a little bit of ambiguity, right? As far as who's going to lead the team or is it just going to be spread out across everybody? Um, I think there's just a ton of things to like with Tim Patrick and the, and the, oh, guess what? The Broncos like Tim Patrick. And like, here I am kind of shitting on Jerry Judy a little bit, but we can make the same case against Cortland Sutton, to your point. Last year, Sutton actually played 17 games. Patrick only had 16. Sutton had five more receptions, only 42 more yards, and three fewer touchdowns than what Patrick was able to get in the same offense. So that's just the the, the thing about, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater experience. That That's my only pause, really, Dwayne, because we did see Teddy elevate DJ, Te, uh, DJ, Robbie, and Curtis Samuel literally in 2020. And to see, let's face it, even though Tim Patrick was the, you know, brightest star in the Broncos wide receiver room last year in terms of production, wasn't exactly fantastic still relative to the rest of the league. And for Sutton and Judy to dip with a quarterback that we saw enable, and I think a lot of people's opinions, lesser talents in terms of Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, that's the one issue. But you know what, Russell Wilson, I think he's going to be far too good to make that a real problem. Let's talk about your last riser here. Running back, rookie for the Los Angeles Chargers, Isaiah Spiller, up 13 spots here. RB41, player at 118 overall. Dwayne, I will say with Spiller, he's not someone I've been getting a ton, but I do agree with the notion that when you start looking at guys like Rashad White, like Alexander Madison in this range, Spiller seems to have that same sort of high-end handcuff upside because if Eckler gets injured, it's looking like the Isaiah Spiller show potentially, and far more potential to actually have some standalone value if he can just beat out Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly, who... You know, you, you've been uh, pretty poignant, is that a word, uh, with your words about these running backs. They, they, they aren't very good, Dwayne, to put it nicely. Yeah, he's going to beat those two dudes out. Like, we've seen enough. Like, I have no concerns. Like, look, anything can happen. But if I'm putting, if I'm placing a bet, right, on who's going to easily be the RB2 in this backfield, <clears throat> this is one of the easier ones to look at. I mean, you just named it. Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. Let that set in. 
Those two players should not challenge Isaiah Spiller at all. This is the youngest running back in this class. Was it was one of the younger breakouts in the class. Is an every down player. Um, great. I mean, everything all around. Everything for Spiller looked good. What happened? He ran slow at the combine. That's all that happened to Isaiah Spiller. That's what turned him from a second round pick into a fourth round pick. Everything else about him looks really good. Um, Eckler has been on the record as saying, look, he doesn't want to be worn out. Last year was a record for his uh, percentage of the team attempts, 52%. Um, If you look at Eckler, the coaches also seem to agree that they don't want to overburden him. So I think Eckler's going to be out there for at least half the time. He'll handle the passing down role. And I think there's going to be room for 30 to 40% of the work to go to Spiller to give you that, you know, spike week value. Maybe you can use him in the flex, you know, a couple of weeks. I don't think you're going to have that with Rashad White, most likely out of the gate, right? You're not going to have that with Alexander Madison. And so I just start to prefer him over some of those other options. The other part is, again, we're back to the AFC and NFC West. It gives me cheap access to the Chargers offense. Because if you want Keenan Allen's third round pick you want mike williams third round pick you want justin herbert fourth round pick the 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 cheap access points to the chargers offense are isaiah spiller gerald everett and joshua palmer and so i think the one that a lot of people forget about is spiller and the fact that he has the every down profile means if for some reason austin echo goes down to your point we're talking about a running back we may be ranking inside the top six every week guess what when the pads go on and you get to play an offense like this no one's going to care about the four six forty it's not going to matter anymore and so when I look at Spiller, like he just checks so many boxes. I can't, I can't get enough of him. I'm overweight versus the market, and I'll continue to be. Before we get into Dwayne's fallers in the top 150, want to again remind you all 40% off sale. Best thing you can get at PFF between now and the start of the season. Again, promo code PFF40 saves 40% on all annual PFF subscriptions. PFF ranks, locked article content, our PFF green line betting tool. Again, 40% off code PFF40. Going to be the best deal we have all offseason long. Support the pod. Support your own bank account. Promo code PFF40. Get yourself 40% off on all annual PFF subscriptions. Some fallers, Dwayne. DK Metcalf down 17 spots. Wide receiver 29 now. 57th overall player off the board. I will say another injury situation that maybe we should have kept a little more of an eye on. Having off-season foot surgery isn't great. Now, it seems like DK Metcalf has been recovered from that. He was messing around at a celebrity softball game a couple of weeks ago. His absence at OTAs was contract-related, not necessarily injury-related. But obviously, big explosive player like him, not ideal to have an off-season foot surgery, even if it was in February. And obviously, that issue did kind of uh, stumble him throughout the year. I go back and forth, though, Dwayne, because really, like, if Russell Wilson was still in Seattle, Metcalf would be vying for legit top 10 usage like he is that good we trust his talent profile that's why he's been a top five dynasty receiver for the past few years he to me we are really starting to push him below objectively worse receivers with targets projected targets i don't think are all that different the quarterback situation is terrible we understand this with that said though and four extended appearances last year with geno smith under center DK, five touchdowns. Yes, only four of them came with Geno under center. The other one came one-on-one against Jalen Ramsey because DK Metcalf is that freaking good at football. I just wonder, Dwayne, like, where is the line with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett where they're being pushed down too far to draft? Because I really think we're starting to get there. I mean, this is DK Metcalf we're talking about, bro. Yeah, and I mean, it has to be a really bad situation. (laughs) to be as talented as DK Metcalf is and to be pushed this far down my ranks. But the Seattle Seahawks, congratulations, hat tip, Pete Carroll, they've managed to do it because they suck. They're projected to win five and a half games this year. I won't be surprised if they win two. 
They play against the NFC and AFC West, a really loaded division. Like the Seahawks, give me the under on five and a half wins. Uh, they don't know who their quarterback is. It'll probably be a rotation all year long. Who knows? I'm not excited about that. And it's a team that the passing volume is going to be terrible, and they don't care if they're trailing it or not. They're still not going to throw the football. So, again, this is a team that ran two full games less than what the Buffalo Bills players got to experience. So when you put all that together, and then you remember, oh, yeah, Tyler Lockett's not dead. He's a good player. He's going to get targets. Noah Fant is an upgrade versus what they had last year. It, you know, and I, we like you know Gerald Everett, but he was on and off the field. But Noah Fant's going to get targets too. So we got three people to get the ball to, and an offense that could throw the ball less than any other in the league with potentially the worst quarterbacks in the league. I think it's just it's unfortunate for DK are you, Metcalf. Are you talking about Metcalf or Deontay Johnson? Oh, 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 yeah. oh. no, I think I think Deontay Johnson's clearly got better outs than Metcalf. Like um, Trubisky has been better than Geno Smith. Trubisky. Geno Smith was better. actually good last year. I don't know if we can say that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Not for four weeks. Like once the NFL is fine and they're like, okay, this is your real starter, Seattle. Like Dino Smith's about to get like. I mean, Trubisky slapped. was trash in in his latter stretch in Chicago. I'm not sure if you know holding Josh Allen's clipboard for a year magically made him a better quarterback. Trubisky has actually supported you know Allen Robinson before. Trubisky has supported weapons before. Like I, I Trubisky plus a first round pick. And Kenny Pickett, yeah, an inflated first-round pick. I would much rather have the combo of Trubisky and Kenny Pickett than I would, you know, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Um, I have them both graded as, you know, two very questionable situations, but I think Deontay's is definitely better. Um, so you also don't have the, you know, the fact that you're going to try to run the least passing plays in the league. Also a better quality team projected currently for seven wins versus five and a half for the Seahawks. So, look, the, the – they have similar challenges. Um, I, I just don't feel like I have to have DK Metcalf. I only take him when he slides past ADP, and that's essentially what my rank is telling people to do. DK Metcalf on sheer talent, yes, could come through with a wide receiver two finish, and I think it's fine. But I don't see the. I, I just don't see the huge ceiling, and I think the floor is bigger than what we're you know giving him you know than what we're assigning to him. Again, this is a top talent. If he played with Tom Brady, like he might be our wide receiver one overall. If he played with Josh Allen, he'd be our wide receiver one overall. He just it. It sucks for him. He just so happens to play in a crappy situation. The one thing that potentially triggered me from not ranking DK Metcalf below, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross, St. Brown, a lot of these other guys. And again, it's a tier. I think he's in the right tier. Like he belongs with Elijah Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Devonta Smith. Like I think, you know, especially like if you look at Elijah Moore, two very talented players. We got major questions about the the quarterback. We got questions about the team. Uh, you know, the, the the overall team, you know, quality. We've got question about their target competition. Very similar, but you get Elijah, you get Elijah Moore way after you get DK Metcalf. So um it look, I hate it because I love the talent of DK Metcalf. I just I don't I don't see any path where I look up at the end of the season and I'm worried. The one path is if they trade for Jimmy G. If they trade for Jimmy G and you've been draft, drafting DK Metcalf right now, let's say you're drafting hundred teams, you're gonna be happy that you got all this exposure to Metcalf. Otherwise, yeah, I'm not that worried about it. Just like, it's not, Metcalf should clear 100 targets with ease. Who, If you're throwing him 100 targets, Dwayne, I just don't know that we can rank him outside the top 24. You, you've done the people. study. You've, you, you know what the really crappy quarterbacks produce. Like, you've I'm done aware. the work. I'm aware, but like I'm I just referencing I, to 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 the hardest research. I guess I don't necessarily believe that like Gino and Drew Locke, as bad as they are, 
I don't want to put them in like a whole nother tier of suck necessarily as some of these other guys. I mean, what about Jalen Waddle being a number two behind Tyreek with Tua, who has been an objectively terrible quarterback with a new offensive system coming in that has been nothing but run heavy and slow paced. Tua's has already supported Jalen Waddle. I mean, like really Tyreek's in town. Yeah, I get it, but he, but still, we've already seen Tua at least be able to support someone. Tua, I mean, he supported him to the most volume. That now is that serious. We're talking about about two quarterbacks that no one even drafts in fantasy football, even if they play in a fifty-person league. Like these two quarterbacks don't get drafted. Okay, well, well, the market is typically sharp, Ian. Like, and so that's my process. Like when I look at DK Metcalf as a quarterback, not even being drafted, projected for five and a half wins, got target competition on an offense that could run the least passing plays in the league. I, I think it's pretty simple. That It's really hard to push a talent this good down the board. Like I'm telling you, it's hard. Like it's hard for it to work. But the Seahawks make it work. They are that bad. By the way. You take just, DK Metcalf, I'll pass. All right. What Geno Smith last year? Small sample size, be damned, among 44 quarterbacks, 18th in PFF passing grade, 6th in QB rating, 13th yards per attempt, second and adjusted completion rate. Like, Geno Smith was good last year. I understand he didn't play for a long time, but why do we just have to assume that Geno Smith couldn't have gotten better over the last few years like we do at Trubisky? I don't know, man. And also about the... Trubisky's better than Geno Smith every year. Do we really think that the Seahawks, and it is a freaking Seahawks, so maybe we do think this, but like you said, five and a half wins. How are they not going to have at least an average number of pass attempts by virtue, they're going to be down in every single game. Because the Seahawks don't care. They continue to run the ball even when they're trailing. They don't care. And then and they don't make up for it in other ways. I mean, so, they ranked 21st in pass play rate last year. It's not 32nd. I know yeah. not having Russ isn't going to help, but, and like, yeah, I know they ran the fewer plays. That was because they were bad, which I get is a big possibility again, but uh, it's DK Metcalf, bro. I get it. I get it. I have a process. I'm following what, it. What about Metcalf versus Mooney? It's fine. I have them in the same tier. Who would you take first? Girl Scout. Mooney or DK Metcalf? I'll take Metcalf. I've got him above Mooney in my tier. Okay. I've got him above Elijah Moore. I've got him above Devonta Smith. I'll take him above all those all those players. And again, these are all ranked as wide receiver threes. I give you many tiers within the tiers to give you archetypes of players, right? And so DK Metcalf, based on his talent plus his situation, that's the tier that he fits in within the tier. So again, it's up to folks to make these calls. Like if you look at my tier three receivers and you want to take DK Metcalf over Rashad Bateman, you can. Like I'm telling you that like these guys are all really similar. I just give you the sub kind of the sub tiers are almost like the archetypes of these players based on their total situation. And the big takeaway here should be, Don't worry about this wide receiver range. Go get your dope quarterback in round five or round six, which takes us back to our original Kyler point there. So happy we could, uh, you know, spell that out. That was definitely the goal there of us going to war over DK Metcalf. Running back, Clyde Ebersolaire, down 14 spots, RB 23, 64th overall. I think there was a point in the offseason, Dwayne, we were both optimistic about CEH. We are now starting to get some murmurs. Hey, maybe Ronald Jones could be the straight-up starting running back. And by the way, Dwayne, how old is Ronald Jones on this day? Not when the season starts right now. I, I don't know. I only pay attention when the season starts. He'll be 27 when the season starts. 25. 26? He's 25, 24 yeah. right now. Like that's pretty wild. I, it shocked me. Um, Clyde Bersolaire is 23 years old at the moment. He'll be 23 when the season starts. So we'll be. All we really wider, care about but... is like, how much does Clyde Bersolaire, how much does he weigh right now? Hopefully not 160. <laughs> as long as that, like that's good. But you know, one of the reasons why I in, 
you as well, Jermaine. One of the reasons why we like doing a bunch of these drafts because it really does help you get your ranks more in line when you have your own money you're trying to put out there. You know, it's a lot easier to move someone up on your spreadsheet than it is to actually sit there and hit that draft button. So Clyde Ebersolaire is someone I was much more willing to draft earlier in the offseason. Now, Dwayne, I find myself looking at guys like Tony Pollard, like A.J. Dillon, who now actually have a higher higher ADP than Claude Ebersolaire. I want them. I also want Kareem Hunt, who has a lower ADP. And in this range, I'm just usually feeling a wide receiver. I go out of my way now not to get Claude Ebersolaire if I can help it. And I think it's just more reason, man. While there are a few guys down there, the Cordero Pattersons of the world, Kareem Hunt, Really, man, I love getting two to three of these running backs in the first couple rounds because you don't need to worry about guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first place. Yeah, and so, I mean, look, in my original top 150, I made a clear point to get Clyde inside my 50, my top 50. And so I had him as my number 50 player, and he's fallen 14 spots. And so I'm still, whoops, sorry about that. I'm still overweight versus the market. You on Clyde, but mostly because of my early drafts. <laughs> I have, I'm like yeah. you. I haven't been taking him as much lately, but he is starting to fall. And what I will say is, you still get access to the Chiefs' offense. We still know they have that late first round capital there. Um, we know Andy Reid is the coach that wanted him. He's still there. We know Clyde has bad, battled lower body injuries. You know, pretty much his whole career. He was down to 160 pounds before last season started. Had to work his way back due to the gallbladder thing. So I think there's, a, I think he has outs right at his ADP in this offense. I think there's still a chance that he has the passing down role, right? I think there's still a chance that he gets like half the early down work and all the passing down stuff. And if that comes true, you're going to be fine with Clyde, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So now when he falls past ADP, I have no problem like tacking him on. I almost never will do it in like as an RB three, but if I don't have my RB two yet, and I know to your point, I want to take like three over the next four rounds. I might start around earlier than normal and go ahead and add Edwards Alaire, especially if I've got a team where I've already got, you know, uh, let's say I started with Cortland Sutton and, you know, I want to, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I got Cortland Sutton. I've maybe I've already got a charger and I'm just looking really good. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna keep this AFC NFC West thing going. You know, it's going to give me some week 17 correlation, like all those things that we kind of think about and tiebreakers, like in those situations, I might lean a little bit more towards Edwards Alaire. So all I'll say is he still has outs. It is still the Kansas City offense, which we don't know what it's going to look like this year. It has to adapt in some way, right? Whether that means just spread out a bunch of, across the people besides Kelsey, which is probably the most likely outcome, or someone else has to step forward and really take take on a bigger role, and maybe it is the running backs in the passing game. I think that's still an out for Clyde, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this offense. If he didn't play for the Chiefs, it's almost like we wouldn't care. But because he plays for the Chiefs, you have to think about that true wide range of outcomes and consider, okay, if Edwards-Alaire does and look there's still a chance he just takes over the whole backfield or like, is there I mean, rb3 though there's also a chance that i get happened. it that's what's so I scary get it. <laughs> i don't i'm not that worried about that i look and here's the deal as much as we want to talk about ronald jones the adp is good on him like ronald jones just he's the same thing ronald jones never could he was an early second round pick that could never take over a backfield he's right? better so we're than almost Clyde talking, as a rusher though yeah he's better than clyde as a rusher um i mean but we don't know like has edwards Alaire? i think the question for edwards Alaire, he's been hurt so much and been playing through injuries so much there is a chance we just haven't seen the real clyde edwards Alaire yet like i yeah. think that's in the range of outcomes four more followers here at the end of the day look if jarek mckinnon makes you want to move someone down that it says enough right like so right. I get why people are afraid yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, man. As much as I would love to dismiss McKinnon, and he did get signed later, so I think it's similar to Melvin Gordon where, like, 
I'm not valuing McKinnon the same way as if they would have, you know, gone out on March 14th or whatever the first day of free agency was and really made sure to lock him down, you know, for the rest of the offseason. That would have made a bigger impact. But McKinnon took over for Clyde Ebersolaire when Clyde was healthy enough to be act on the active roster at the end of last year. We certainly can't ignore um, ignore that. So we will see. Um, hopefully, without Tyreek Hill, we start seeing those running backs get back to being, you know, the fantasy godsons that Andy Reid made them for a long period of time. I think it does make sense that when we saw guys like Kareem Hunt, Jamal Charles, you know, Brian Westbrook, all that, all that stuff, usually weren't sharing an offense with a wide receiver as good as Tyreek. So. It's possible. And hey, if he does keep sliding down like an underdog, man, he is starting to go like RB28, I think it is uh, right now. So don't yeah, hate the like player. A game of, it's like a game of chicken on underdog right now. Like, <laughs> who's going to let Clyde fall the furthest? So I've gotten him a couple times in the last week. Like, I want to say like 15 spots past ADP. That's when I do it. Yeah. You know, there, there's no there's no reason right now if you're specifically talking about underdog to draft Clyde Edwards a at ADP. You know, there's just going to be too many drafts where you don't even have to worry about it. Do you know what else keeps falling is Cordero Patterson. Are we 35 now? What's everyone so afraid of, Dwayne? I think they just don't see the true bull case for the upside. I think people recognize him as being an explosive playmaker who catches passes out of the backfield. But what's happening is when players are getting to that range, especially if they just went wide receiver heavy and they have one quarterback or, and they have one running back, um, they, they want the mass upside case of oh gosh if he takes over the whole backfield like it's just you know it's going to be everything i think most people immediately write Cordell patterson off as being a player that will never do that um the problem is like go back and look at his points per game last year i was like, about to say <laughs> i know i know and i think that's the problem with the logic like so i've been getting Cordell at a discount and i like patterson because you know a lot of times i'm building kyler murray you know stacks um, and so it's an easy way for me to get access to Atlanta, which is week 17. And I love him as a RB two RB three, right? So I have been taking him a lot when he slides. I think people are too hooked on the fact that he doesn't have a path to a, a bell cow role because a back in front of him could get hurt. And my point is he's already shown you what he can do on a point per game schedule with a limited role. We don't, we don't hang that up against Alvin Kamara when he doesn't get to play all the time. We don't worry about his access to a ceiling. We don't hold that against uh, even Austin Eckler up until last year when he didn't truly have the kind of role that he had. Like we still liked Eckler. To me, you're getting a profile that's similar to those two that never truly in the past had had ceilings like an every down workload, but we didn't discount them because of that. And I think that's the thing with Patterson. People are going overboard and they're also worried about his age. I'm less worried about his age just because the fact that we just know he doesn't have the same wear and tear that some of these other guys have at this age in their career. Yeah, again, Jonathan Taylor already has 52 more career regular season offensive <laughs> touches than Cordero Patterson. Like, that's what that's happens when you spend uh, most of your career returning kicks. And yeah, when he came back from his sprained ankle, he wasn't the same guy. But at this point, we're pricing him even worse than that, man. Weeks one through nine. Here's here's your ceiling. Weeks one through nine last year, RB7 overall, RB6 in PPR points per game. Comes back from the sprained ankle. Weeks 12 through 18, RB20 overall. Now there's some bye weeks in there. So what was he per game? RB31. How does that equal RB35? I don't know. I'll continue to draft him. Bad math. This is definitely bad math. (laughs) And people are like, oh, well, it's it's, it's Drake London. Great. But folks, don't forget, like whenever you had, um, you know, Calvin Ridley leave, like, you know, Russell Gage stepped. What Russell Gage did last year might be what we're hoping Drake London can do this year. So I don't, I don't see that huge of a difference. Um, yes, we love Drake London, you know, early round pick there's great track record there. 
could he be worth way more than Russell Gage? Yeah, we get it. But look, it's just he's too versatile of a player for Cordell Patterson to not, you know, have an opportunity to score fantasy points. Just look at it this way. The RB1 Atlanta is going RB35 and the wide receiver one's going wide receiver 37. Like, yeah, again, bad quarterback. I get it. But there's other people going higher that also have a bad quarterback. So let's make sure not to hold that too much against one's group and not another wide receiver. Chris Goblin down 25 spots, wide receiver 35, 73rd player overall. We already talked a pretty good amount about Russell Gage and Goblin too, Dwayne. Mostly just seems to come down to the injury concern here. Yeah, that's it. We don't have to keep talking. We love Chris Godwin, very talented player. If he was healthy, he would probably be inside of our top 12. I, you know, ahead of Evans. Player. If he was healthy, yeah. he'd be ahead of Evans. Yeah, and, and a great offense. Yeah, and and that's you know that's the concern with Evans. If Godwin, if Godwin is ahead of schedule, right? And we know that Evans has kind of been on a bit of a decline as far as his yards per route, targets per route, PFF receiving grade for three years in a row. Like that was where my concern earlier in the year was coming from Evans when you and I you know, were debating about him. But right now, just the people I trust in the medical industry and what they're saying about Chris Godwin, like that's where I'm letting that carry the weight. Again, one of the biggest advancements I think we've seen in fantasy football over the last five years is all of these great doctors that we have in the community, right? Yeah. <laughs> that can actually give us actionable information about what these timeframes look like. And we don't just have to read to listen to teams go back and forth. Oh, we're hopeful he'll play week one. Well, may put him on the pup. Like it's just back and forth all the time. You're like, what do I do with this guy in my rank? So this year I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm listening to the voices in the community that I think are very smart. They studied this stuff way more than me. I think they're very, you know, they know what's going on. And so I'm trusting people like Edwin Porras on something like Chris Godwin. Dude, and just oh, the hot – I'm just remembering all those rosters I had Goblin on last year and just the gut punch it was when he got hurt oh, yeah. at the end of the year. Week 13, he catches 15 passes. Week 14, he goes for 10. Week 15, when he eventually tears his ACL, he had six catches on his first 16 snaps of the game. Like, he was about to just go on the playoff stretch of all playoff stretches. They needed him more than ever with A.B. out of the picture during this time. Get better soon, Chris Godwin. Not many better, you know, guys to watch slash have in fantasy land when he's right. Well, wide receiver Michael Thomas, Dwayne, down 22 spots. Wide receiver 36, 75th player overall. Not a legit, legit update, but Nick Underhill, ace Saints beat reporter, was on this podcast last year, hoping to get him back on here in about a month's time when we decide to do our beat reporter 32 for 32 series once again. But with Michael Thomas, Nick Underhill did say that he continues to hear a lot of optimism surrounding him. It's one of these situations where once we know Michael Thomas is healthy, we're going to see this shoot up a lot. Now, he has been falling so much so that he's really going, I believe, next to DeAndre Hopkins right now, which I think is a pretty fair uh, kind of range for him. Dwayne, actually, he's going even lower now. Why did you see 40 yeah. for Michael Thomas over underdog? I'm fine at this price point. Before, I was not buying as much of him. I was getting a lot more Chris Alave. Now that I think their ADP has started to shrink a little bit, at this point, close. man. Yeah. Now, well, now in your queue and underdog, you'll see them both together. You'll see Mike Thomas at the top of your queue, and on the same screen, you're like, "Oh, there's Chris Olave." Like they're about to they're about to cross. I had Olave go ahead of him in a in a draft last night. So I think at that point, man, when you can get Michael Thomas as your wide receiver four, or wide receiver five, sign me up. Yeah, all this is is a market correction for me. I, I don't want to have you too overboard on a player when you can just get them later. I still feel the same way about Mike Thomas. Yeah. As much as we love Chris Olave, 
most rookie receivers don't hit, <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, now Alave is an early round pick. The saints gave a lot of way to get him. Right. So I, I think Alave is going to be fine, but at the same time, like Thomas is a guy that we've seen earn 30% target shares in the past. Like those are very rare, very hard to do. doesn't matter if you play on a team with no other wide receivers, doesn't play, you know, that doesn't matter. You have to be good enough, to still earn the targets. It's back to the Amon Ross St. Brown conversation that we had earlier. And we know Thomas has that and his range of outcomes. So th- this is more of just getting folks in alignment. I don't want you to reach on Michael Thomas, but I'm still drafting him. And again, Michael Thomas is very similar to, you know, some of the other players that we've talked about where I almost never draft him in at ADP. It's like every other draft, people just like, it's just like Geronimo, there goes Michael Thomas like down the board. And I'm like, okay, you, dude, I do. When I get Michael Thomas as my wide receiver three or wide receiver four on underdog, especially if like, let's say I started off with like two backs, you know, and then I've also got a tight end. And now I'm like, you're gonna give me Michael Thomas as my wide receiver three when I've got an elite tight end and two backs. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take it because the range of outcomes is just too good. And to your point, if we continue to get more good news, he's going to shoot up draft boards. Like I'm talking, he'll move up like 15 to 20 spots. So like now's the time to get him. If there was no injury concern, we just knew Michael Thomas was coming in good. I mean, he could be in the top 20. Yeah. Why, why, I mean, why, wide receiver-wise. Wide receiver-wise. And so here's here's a good example we've seen in the past. So Brandon Marshall, if you remember, like, super stud possession kind of receiver, kind of like Michael Thomas, um, you know, was a wide receiver one, wide receiver one, then kind of had a fall off, got injured. But remember, he came back in, like, year 11. It was year 11. His, his 11th season, and Michael Thomas is going into year nine with the Jets and just destroyed for a top-end wide receiver one finish. If you want a comp in your mind of what could happen with Michael Thomas, it's that. That's, that. That's what could still happen. He could give you that Brandon Marshall late, you know, late career swan song, you know, and then maybe Michael Thomas is done after that. I mean, technically, I was looking at, you know, so shout out to Adam Harstead over at Football Guys. You know, we were doing, I was researching a bunch of stuff this week, you know, for some projects we've got going on. Did some reading on his stuff over, uh, you know, when I was, you know, at the beach, you know, it sounds pretty boring reading like uh, mortality, you know, rates on like <laughs> receivers and how they decline over ages. But Adam does such a great job with all this stuff. And most of you probably know who he is, but super, super smart dude. And so it's nice when there's somebody that's freaking super smart in and you don't have to go do all the research yourself. And you're like, I'm just going to read this person's stuff because they're brilliant. And I was reading, you know, reviewing all of that again this week. And so really age 32 is where the big cliff, you know, hits. Now he doesn't specifically lay it out that way, but if you look at his tables, like the point where basically when a receiver gets to it, they've got less than two years and there's a 25% or chance, 25% or better chance that's their last year. And and they're, or they're just going to fall off a cliff, meaning that year and you're going to get nothing out of them in fantasy. It's at age 32. Michael Thomas is still under that. He's well under that. So I know there's questions because of the health and that, that creates a wild card, but I think there's still a lot of upside for Michael Thomas. I really think the Saints offense, similar to what we're expecting the Eagles to do. Like, okay, they were super run heavy with Jameis under center, as were the Eagles in the second half of last year. When you add better pass game options, you can expect them to pass the ball a little bit more. I'm not saying they're going to be partying like the 2013 Saints or whatever, (laughs) but man, when your top wide receivers last year were Marquez Callaway, Hey, no slander here. Deontay Harris was awesome last year. Deontay Hardy was awesome last year. So he he was fun. But my God, man, Traquan Smith was hurt. Like they got him back and it was a godsend, basically. Kenny Stills was playing legit snaps for this team in the year 2022. Like that's why they weren't throwing the ball very much. And then when Jameis got hurt, they had freaking Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon out there. So really exactly. wouldn't un- underestimate the chance for, as Brandon Marshall had that renaissance year with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. So- 
Look at Fitzpatrick's protege, Dwayne. We got Jameis here. It's all coming exactly. together. So I think you could make an argument that Thomas really should be going ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Like if you have to pick between the two, and let's say you don't have ties to Kyler Murray, that, that could swing you, right, one way or the other. But we know Kyler, we know that DeAndre Hopkins is missing six games. Right? I know it's more unknown, but Michael Thomas right now, the range of outcomes could be he plays all 17. <laughs> you know, yep. like that is an in DeAndre Hopkins range of outcomes. And they're two pretty similar players. Like I think you could make, and, and to your point, like he falls past Hopkins. So I think the market is just overreacted. But again, he, he did fall 22 spots here just because I wanted to get folks with an alignment. This isn't about, oh my God, now I'm avoiding Michael Thomas. It's just more that, okay, continue to draft him when he falls and you can get him at ADP. Just don't reach. Final and we missed pick. J.K. Dobbins. Did we skip him for a No, reason? we talked about him. We talked about him. Wait, didn't we? We didn't say, no, we, we didn't talk about Dobbins. Oh, I'm sorry. J.K. We did Dobbins. Edwards a but it's, it's the same thing. J.K. is really similar to Godwin, yeah. right? You know, with, with what we've heard from folks like Porus and what even, um, you know, if you look over on PFF, there's a great rundown uh, by PFF Mario. I think so, that's what his Twitter handle is. Sorry, <laughs> Mario, if I missed it. But you guys can go check his article out where he actually – talks about all the the folks coming off of injuries and the Dobbins is just really it's a major knee injury right you've got the, the multiple ligament damage and here's the other problem for me Ian, like the, the talent pro and look for Ian to be low on this player a player from the Ohio State University that tells you something because Ian doesn't normally do that Ian has a column you know how you guys see my archetypes and my tears Ian has a column to the right it doesn't show you it just says Ohio State yes or no <laughs> like it <laughs> I it actually yes. use that I use that ahead of ADP in my actual <laughs> yeah so it will, to be honest like with the players they put out I think you know it's probably better than some models that are out there Ian you know yeah I don't know if we could call it a supermodel but you know at least you know we could call it a model but Dobbins man just too many injury concerns we, yes, we like the talent profile, but the other part of it is we just seen the Ravens just use all these different backs. You know for sure Lamar Jackson's going to be running the ball. And so it's just hard for me to get behind a player that I don't know what's going to happen with the injury. Is he going to start on the pup? Even if he's back, is he really going to have full access to that talented profile that gives him the upside that would make us want to draft him? You know, he doesn't fit the normal dead zone back profile because he's talented. Right. So a lot of these guys that go in the dead zone, they get forced up just because they're getting projected for touches, even though they may not really be able to take them. The opposite of that, right, are these players where we don't know for sure what their role will be, but they'll be talented. My question, though, with Dobbins is what kind of talent can we really expect this year based on how bad the knee injury was? And then even then, like there's just so much competition for work in his backfield that steers me. That's why I continue to be higher on Gus Edwards going way, way, way later in these drafts. But yes, when I, I just need to get like one of your Excels, you know, Christmas tree Excels where you have these like 50, <laughs> 15 columns and then just at the very end, Ohio State, yes, no. Should you draft him and then just, you know, copy paste it straight to the right. I think there'd be one. another column in there too. Is just be like, eh, Dwayne's too low. It'd be like <laughs> on DK Metcalf. I don't care about all this research. This is just too low. <laughs> Just too low, man. Like, like, look, and then we need like another like dog question mark, yes or no? For guys, yes, like, did the dog bark? Does he have the dog in him or not? All right, oh, final I thought guy. You did our dogs bark? Like, oh. I think we should go back and we need some. We need to get like an intern that just go back and like comb all of our preseason material to be like, yes, dog barked four times on this specific player. I've started to uh, experiment with sending out some tweets and like if i mess up i'm just i just blame it on the interns that don't exist but it, it gives me Dwayne, it continues to give me you know some sort of ability to deflect detractors when i happen to a uh, mess here or there just like when if you say like a strong statement but you say just saying at the end of it someone can be like well you said this was gonna happen it's like well bro i was just saying i wasn't you know super <laughs> in on that i was i was just saying all right last follower here 
running back Kenneth Walker down 19 spots. RB29, 81st player overall. Actually got a little bit of news today. It was just a, a mailbag from Bob Condado over at the Seattle Times. He got he got asked, any insight how the running back reps will be split up? Is Penny the workhorse or will it be split between him and Kenneth Walker the third? Condado responded, as long as Penny stays healthy, he's going to be the starter in the primary back. But obviously that's a bit of a question as Penny has never had more than 119 carries in a season and he has 280 in his four-year career, consider that Marshawn Lynch had 280 or more every year from 2011 to 2014. So the jury remains out on Penny making it through a full season. But that kind of seems to be the constant drumbeat, man. Like, yes, they did go ahead and add Walker, but if there is a team out there that would spend a high-round pick on a running back only to not make use out of them in year one, by God, it's the Seahawks because we have seen them do that again. So, Dwayne, I guess my question with Walker is, did you move him down accordingly, move Rashad Penny up? Because... It's been pretty consistent, man. Since the beginning of the offseason, they have said this does seem to be Penny's backfield, assuming that Chris Carson is completely out of the picture, which based on the medical things we're hearing, at a minimum, he has his work cut out for him to get back for this season and potentially ever again. Yeah, so Penny moved up like 10 spots. Um, so the, the way I kind of worked this list for today is like if you were an early round pick, like went in the first four rounds, you need to move up at least eight spots to be on our list for today. The later it went, like the bigger it needed to be, like right. you needed to move more, more, uh, spots in the one fifty to make us, to have us talk about you. And so Kenneth Walker, um, dropped 19 penny went up 10. I'm not drafting either one could care less. I think <laughs> it's most likely just still going to be a committee. Even if we expect one of them to lead and the other to not, unless there's an injury, it's going to be really hard to mine, um, any quality out of the backfield. The other thing we know is they're willing to work in other players, like in the passing down role, like, yeah. you know, um, like Dallas, DJ Dallas, you know, they'll work in Travis Homer. Um, it's just, it's just a mess. And again, it's back to all the things that we talked about with DK Metcalf, right? You're in an offense that's not going to run a lot of plays, even though they're committed to the run game. And now I got to worry about a committee as well. It's just like, and I love Kenneth Walker. Like if you guys want to see someone run like inside zone split, like just go watch Kenneth Walker. Like he is masterful. He knows how, when to stay downhill, but he also knows right when to make that one cutback. And just, he makes it look so beautiful. Like he's one of these cutback runners that is just effortless, right? It's just like, one step boom glide he's gone you know and he's off to the next hole he can jump like two gaps with like his jump cut and still keep going like a lot of people like that slows them down it doesn't i i was absolutely i love kenneth walker like dynasty i'm still fine with kenneth walker i just it's hard for me to get behind the seattle seahawks offense and in any sort of committee it's just a real bummer now look if any if either one of them end up taking over we see what can happen we saw it for Rashad Penny down the stretch but with Penny last year by the time he got back and he, and he was going off I believe Ian correct me if I'm wrong R Russell Wilson was back then right yeah, so yeah. the Seahawks were actually playing you know they at least had a they had a good quarterback going for them but I think there's just a little, too many things that have to happen right for me to really worry about needing to have either one of these players on my roster especially considering all the other things that are going around there and I think the one point you brought up here is it's not just Penny and Walker, like we're going to see probably Travis Homer and DJ Dallas still filling in that third down two minute obvious pass down role because the Seahawks just want to do that. And they were doing that last year with Penny like that was the problem in that final stretch. Like you weren't looking at it, seeing this like 80 percent snap workhorse. Yeah, he was getting the carries and he averaged 20.25 carries per game over that final stretch. If he gets that and he's as efficient as he has been, obviously he'll be fine, but really going to be tough for Walker to have any sort of standalone value unless Penny gets hurt. 
which could happen. But again, Russell Wilson's not there anymore. Don't have many outs in this Seattle offense. Dwayne, you did have uh, some new additions. Six, in fact. You want to run through those guys before we go ahead and get out of here? Yeah, and I'll just I'll just mention them. I won't go into deep anything about these guys, but players that were not on the top 150 in the original uh, release that are now on it. Naheem Hines, um, just a lot of talk, you know, about the the passing down role for him. Still not a player. I'm getting like overexposure. My exposure is really low, but he he needs to be in the top 150. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is a guy that I had outside of it, but again, a passing down back. We know Miles Sanders may like he's never really done anything, so there's a chance, right? At least that Kenneth Gainwell could take on a bigger role. Young player that catches passes, so he fits the profile. Tyrion Davis Price, you know, is a player that Evan Silva even recently mentioned as being the potential early down work, you know, workhorse. Like we could see Elijah Mitchell play more into that that jet role there to hit the big plays the idea originally last year was trey sermon would play that role but it just didn't work out so probably more upside to Tyrion davis price beyond just a handcuff um, that i wasn't really thinking about so shout out to silva on that one got him inside the top 150 as well now so robbie anderson um the addition of baker is really all that's about josh palmer that was really triggered by some research you had done, Ian, that you had mentioned on one of our pods, talking about how he had really filled both roles. He had worked for Mike Tom, for Mike Williams, had worked for Keenan Allen, worked inside, worked outside. And now we're also hearing that he probably is just locked in as the third wide receiver in base sets. Not going to see as much Jalen Guyton. So Palmer gives you, you know, that spike week upside. But if something happens to either Mike Williams or to Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer could really have some value um, in fantasy leagues. And then the final player that moves inside the top 150 is Jamal Williams. Um, for the Detroit Lions running back just some flaws that we've seen with DeAndre Swift look we still love DeAndre Swift but we have to at least acknowledge like his PFF receiving and rushing grades have been pretty bad not not just bad almost terrible over the last two years and also last year Jamal Williams was much more involved in games where uh, you know you had the Lions staying close and so if we think the Lions are going to be a better team which I think both you and I have talked about got a good offensive line there's a chance Jamal Williams just has a lot of outs and you can get him basically free you can get him with the last pick of your draft he could work he could work in and take up to half of this backfield and a better offense. And then for some reason, DeAndre Swift goes down. Wow. Like there's going to be, there's going to be RB one weeks for Jamal Williams in that scenario, because he is an every down back. He's not an explosive back, but he's shown us an ability to be able to work on all downs. So that's it. The amount of Jamal Williams keeps scooping up late and underdog. It, it's, it feels like stealing candy from maybe that Girl Scout that's walking up to him. Like before they can even ask us uh, some dire question, we're just taking Jamal Williams and sending them back on their way. Again, the potential, not one for one, but pretty close, I think, to be this year's version of James Conner, Melvin Gordon, uh, Jamal Williams, and Ronald Jones, I think are probably the top three contenders. And Jamal Williams is going so much cheaper than those other guys. Uh, just real quick, my top 150 updated is going to be out a week from Monday. So I'm sure we'll talk about that more specifically on the pod. But I did also go through and make a handful of ranking changes. Just a few notes on that. As I mentioned before, Trey Lance up to my QB7. I gave Dalvin and Kamara one spot jumps, finally pushed Najee just down a little bit. I, got, I wanted to be higher on Kareem Hunt for many of the reasons we've discussed, so I bumped him up a bit. I moved Alexander Madison and Khalil Herbert down just a tad. I'm not feeling quite as confident that they're going to continue to have that same sort of high-end handcuff value should something happen to Cook and or uh, Montgomery there in Minnesota and Chicago. And again, guys like Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, you could argue have a better chance 
offense as standalone value with similar handcuff upside. Drake London and DeAndre Hopkins up a notch, which, hey, London keeps going down. I'm happy to take him where he's going right now. Kadarius Tony up a little bit. Got a nice report out of Giants OTAs that he does seem to be cemented on the outside along with Kenny Galladay, even in two wide receiver sets. Devontae Parker, a nice bump because you could argue he has a chance to overtake Jacoby Myers. And based on what we saw last year, and Hayden Winks uh, had some good film to show this, like Devontae Parker is right there with Julio Jones as guys that were fine last year, if not even good when they were out there. Yeah, they were hurt, but that's why they're being priced outside the top 60. In Julio Jones's case, outside the top 80, guys, I am not afraid to buy that dip. And finally, move Michael Carter down just a little bit. But, Dwayne, it was more so kind of why you moved down, like Michael Thomas and these other guys. Like, I, I love Michael Carter still where he's going. I was probably just a little bit too high. Didn't need to be reaching on him quite that much. So, there we go. Top 150. Again, find it on pff.com and you can use promo code PFF40, 40% off that. Get the annual PFF subscription. Why the hell not? Dwayne, what's next, man? Strategy. Strategy yeah. next, Ian. Uh, and just lots of drafting. Uh, uh, you and I, DM, you know, texting, DMing like all night about our underdog drafts and stuff, like sending screenshots and uh, it's just that time of year, man. I love it. But yeah, a strategy article for quarterbacks already dropped this week. Running back receiver will drop next week along with tight end. Then we're going to be talking, breaking down really like the top things that we need to be monitoring heading into training camps. All right. Like what's the one or two things, mostly one, like what's the main thing that we need to be looking at for each team, you know, in regards to fantasy for um, each of these teams as we enter camp. So a lot of new stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks. Great day to be great. You can check out my hand, my, not handcuff tier. That's coming next week. Tight end workload tier article on pff.com. I went through all 32 NFL teams, just tiered up their tight ends in terms of where they are expected to basically be ranked inside of that offense's pass game uh, tr- tree. Hey, some guys like Albert O, who I have, you know, in one of the worst tiers, maybe are good enough to make the most out of their more limited opportunity compared to some other guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, targets are targets. And that's why some folks like like Cole Komet, like David Njoku, who you start looking through the roster and it's like, well, damn, who else is going to be a number two pass game option? Just trying to, you know, figure that out and hopefully find some sweet, sweet value. So make sure you guys check that out. And we will be back next week with another three or four episodes as we get closer and closer to the season. Love this and love all you listeners. You too, Dwayne. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>